Well, amen. <laughs> Boy, Brother Yarn just carried that one, didn't he? He <laughs> did. Amen. Uh, that was great. I'm assuming that you have not uh, done a lot of singing with your family. Never. I still haven't. You were just moving your mouth, right? Amen. I found that. I used to, uh, I wrote a few songs, and, I, and when I, my girls first started recording, we'd put uh, first three, three recordings, I think, that had one of my songs on it. And so the girls wouldn't do it unless I would sing it with them. So we, you know, I would go. Now, when the girls would sing, they would go through like three or four or five takes on the thing. I did one. It's just like, okay, I'm going to sing it. And uh, they would say, do you want to do that again? And I'll say, no, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> it's going to get worse. So we're just going to leave it like it is. And uh, you take that little machine and you tweak this stuff the best you can. And, uh, but uh, as, the, as the years went by, the girls started telling me, you know, Dad, it just doesn't really sound good to have one male voice and a bunch of female voices. They kept saying that until they got married, and then all of a sudden they started involving their husbands in it. And I thought, well, hey, y'all, y'all said this one male voice. What's the deal? But I think it's the type of male voice that, that uh, makes the difference. All right, um, we've been on the, on the family don't have a lot of a lot of time tonight. Uh, I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47. Um, going to talk about a, a very important thing uh, about the family tonight, and that uh, is well. This this talk just entitled is "Why Rules." Why rules? Uh, this is again. Uh, you know, it, it, I know it's going to sound over and over like I'm, I'm condemning this this generation, the millennials, but everything that I say, honestly, it's even documented by the world and what they're saying about the same generation. Um, I, look, they're, they're wonderful people. They're our kids. They're our grandchildren. But there, there are some traits. With every, the, I'm, I'm part of the baby boomers. There's some traits that went with the baby boomers. You know, I mean, look, I'm not condemning you. It was the baby boomers that brought in the, the, the 60s and the 70s. And you have no idea what that is, but that was a whole lot of rebellion. Uh, it was the baby boomers. So I understand it. Now, there's some traits with the millennials. And one of the traits as millennials is basically there are no rules. Rules, uh, you just you don't have them because no is an unacceptable word. And so I'm going to try to tell you why one of the ways that you can teach your children, your grandchildren, uh, why do we have rules? Why are they very necessary? And so if you go to Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 6, Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 6, and he's, it says, He said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. 
And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth whithersoever the river shall come shall live. And there shall be a great, very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. That's a very, very unique passage of Scripture. And God brought me to this passage of Scripture. And now I'm going to basically, I'm going to tell you, give you a little bit of testimony and a story how God brought me to this passage of Scripture to explain this passage of Scripture. And he showed it to me, actually showed me this passage of Scripture in a sense and an illustration. And uh, I'll have a word of prayer and I'll explain that to you. Father, I pray that you bless tonight, Lord Jesus, please, Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts, please, direct me, Lord, help me, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee, Lord, I, in my flesh and in my, in my humanity and my weary mind, sometimes I stumble around so much trying to think, trying to get things clear, but Lord, when it comes to preaching your word, I beg you, Lord, that you don't let me speak. I pray that you, Spirit of God, would speak through me. I yield myself to thee now. In Jesus' name, amen. I was preaching at a men's conference in Oregon. There was about uh, 200 men there in attendance. And they'd put me up in a very beautiful hotel room, which I, I thought this is almost ridiculous because the hotel room had a balcony on it. It was just a incredibly beautiful hotel room and I think it's ridiculous because here I am alone you know I'm at a men's meeting so I didn't bring my wife to a men's meeting so but I'm in this uh, in a, this amazingly beautiful hotel room each evening after speaking to this group of men I got to return to this beautiful room and right beside it this balcony kind of overlooked a, a very large snow-covered, not snow-covered, a snow-fed from the mountains river. And this river was white water, and it was rushing, and it was just really barreling down. I mean, it was white water coming down and coming down hard because it was during the time, I think it was April, and so there's a lot of snow was melting, and so the river is very full, and it's coming down hard. And I'll be honest with you, I love the rivers and the oceans. And so I began each night to walk along the river down a path and pray. And that's what I do. I go walking each night and I go walk alone and try to get in the quiet. Of, and I especially love the nature that God has created. I love to get out under the stars and, and around the rivers and different things and walk. And, and so I, I was walking down the path and praying. It was refreshing to see and hear the white water rushing by and the, and. But one morning I got up a little extra early and, and just sat on the balcony. I'd been studying inside of a desk, which I normally set up my desk as soon as I enter a room. That's the first thing that I do is I go and I, I'll put my Bible and my computer and my things, my study materials out on the desk uh, there because I want that to be my first priority. Um, be honest with you, for years ago when I used to travel, one, uh, I would go and set up my desk, and then the next thing that I would do is I'd take the TV and turn, them, turn it around uh, because I didn't want anything to pull my attention away. Uh, be honest with you, most hotel rooms now, they mount them in such a way they don't turn anymore. Uh, so, but, uh, but God has been real good to me, and I've gotten into such a habit that 
I kind of just bypass it, and there's not one time out of uh, probably 20 times at a hotel that I'll ever even switch one on, uh, even for a few moments. But there, as I got up early that morning, I said, I went out to the balcony outside my room to read the Bible, and when I just felt the urge, and I don't know if you understand it, but I was reading the scripture, and as I did, I, I, it's just like the Lord just kept pulling me to look at the river, and I, and I would read a little bit, and I'd look at this river, and, and I don't know if you've ever faced this before, and I'm not spooky about this kind of things, but there's just sometimes I just feel like the Lord's trying to tell me something. He's trying to teach me something. He's trying to show me something, and, and, and I kept saying, Lord, what in the world is it? And so I kept praying and, and reading my Bible a little bit more, and I kept praying, and I, but I asked God to teach me, and this is what he began to teach me that morning as I sat on that balcony. As I looked at the river, God spoke to my heart and told me that the river was like the emotions and desires and visions of man that rush impatiently toward their destination. I was in a, a kind of a crisis time in my life and a decision time in my life, and God very clearly said that the river was like the emotions and desires and the visions of man. I'd been around a, a fellow that all he kept talking about was, was this was his vision. And I would tell my wife so often, I would say, babe, you know, it just bothers me. Everything's his vision. I want to know what God's vision is. And so God says, like the emotions, the desires, and the visions of man that rush impatiently toward their destination. He showed me that the river, like the river, we too can get caught up in our desires and goals that we can rush impatiently to reach them. It just, we can want what we want so badly that we just go full steam ahead, uh, just flying toward a destination that we're convinced is so good. And so... God began to teach me by this river that this really was the desires of man, the emotions of man, the, the goals and, and, and visions of man. But then about 200 yards up the river, there was a bend in the river. And it made a pretty sharp turn. And as I sat there and I had been looking at the white water and as it came down this way and, and, it, and it was beautiful white water and, and I saw this, then I looked at the the, there when it made this massive turn, and I noticed that it would turn so sharply that the water coming down was slamming into the side of the bank. Some of it would shoot out almost a spray up on the bank like, a, like a, an ocean wave hitting on the cliffs someplace. It would hit, and bam, and it would hit, and it would spray up and, and turn. The waves slammed the bank again and again as, as though they were purposely trying to go straight and not make the turn. They seemed to be trying to escape the banks. That's when God showed me that our emotions are like that. Our desires are like that. They want what they want and they want it now. Our emotions, like the river, want to escape the control of the banks and rush to our desires, begging us to yield to satisfying desires, to play now and pay later kind of concept. 
And to the philosophy that as long as there's no real damage done, what's the big deal? That if it's okay uh, that the end justifies the means, or it's okay if in order to do wrong, in order to get right. And our emotions just, we're just flying toward this and we want to escape this control. And as I kept looking at this, I just, I just stopped and I said, Lord, what are you teaching me? And God said, again, the river is the emotion, desires, and visions of man, but the banks are the unchanging word of God. And spiritual commands and truths that are fighting to keep us in check so we don't run amok hurting ourselves and others. God says, you know what's going to happen if that, if that water was to escape that bank? It's going to flood and destroy. It wants it. It thinks it wants to escape so badly. But when it escapes, it's going it's to bring destruction in its path. Then for the first time, I noticed that all along the bank and up and down the river were great, tall, strong trees. The river was rushing below, but the trees were not moving at all. This day, there was no wind at all. It wasn't even a leaf moving. And these great, strong trees, while all this commotion was going on underneath, and the banks were just fighting to hold them in, there were these great, strong trees. And there was no wind that day, so even the leaves were not moving, even though the river was raging. The Lord continued to move in my heart and, and realized that these trees represented the principles of life, principles that will hold fast and firm because they are rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Emotions and desires to beg to escape and to be free to go where they want, do what they want, do it the way they want. These desires may not even be bad desires, but right is not right if done wrongly. Principles deeply rooted in the Word of God hold the emotions and desires in check. The water wanted to escape the banks, but if it had, it would have brought destruction to everything in its path. Even good intentions uncontrolled can destroy the very persons they desire to help. It was only by being controlled that the water could bring forth life and not destroy life. Visions, dreams, and desires are wonderful if they are controlled by principles grounded in the Word of God. The banks held that day, and the water flowed to its destination, bringing life and joy to all it influenced and affected. The rushing water controlled became a great source of blessing. When we disregard principles, rules for the sake of our desires, then we too will overflow the banks of our lives and bring destruction to all in our path of influence. If we live by principle, then the water of desire will bring life and refreshment to all they influence and touch. And that's what integrity means. The emotions and desires and visions of man want to be guided by the justifications and excuses for why the principles are irrelevant, old-fashioned, or won't work anymore. But Scripture teaches us to never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Choices do determine destiny. And that's when God led me to this passage of Scripture. You see, this passage of Scripture we just read in Ezekiel, it said, 
Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. It's amazing. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. If we will follow in the, the control rules of life, we will be healed. And verse 9, it says, and listen to this, and, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live, and there shall be a great, great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. You know what? The family can be healed. The family can live. The family can strive. The family, our children, can, can grow strong for God. But they've got to have the banks. They've got to have the banks to hold. And can I tell you, when the Word of God are, is our banks, listen to me, it will hold. It will stand. When the great trees that stand on the banks, see, they're deeply rooted. You know, those, they're deeply rooted and they're strong and tall and they're unmovable because they're rooted in the Word of God. Now, I'm just going to give you some points and principles and maybe just be more uh, applicable to this lesson. But number one, what, as God taught me, it's so vital that we have these rules that these, the rules, the principles of the Word of God, they're so important to keep us controlled because if we don't, man, we will go off every direction. We'll get into every kind of thing. We will, and, and honestly, that's where our world's going today. I, I, I spent just a few minutes as I was studying to this afternoon, and, and I listened to a little clip where, where a man went on to an Oregon State, uh, Oregon State I think, uh, or uh, University of Oregon campus, and, and he went on to the campus, and he went around, and he was raising money for Hamas from our students. Do you understand? He was raising money for us to be destroyed. And do you understand? He, student after student after student, they were swayed when he would say, well, you know, we, we've got to hit the malls and we've got to hit the churches and we've got to have the, the bombers and we've got to have these things because you know, we, we have to do that to fight against Israel because Israel is so evil. And the one student said, yeah, that's what we've been studying in class, that we've got to do something about the Israel, Israeli genocide. And here they are, they're handing over 20 and 30 and 40 dollars to this guy who just said, let me give you, oh yeah, I'm for what you're doing. That's what's happening. This is a ruleless society. But number one, when, with our own children, our own homes, listen to this, rules don't define relationships. Rules are a result of relationships. Here's, here's the misconception in our churches Somehow we think if we keep rules, then that makes me Christian. If we keep rules, that makes me a good Christian. Rules don't define relationships. Rules are a result of the relationship. 
In other words, we don't have rules to get a relationship with God or our spouse or our kids. We have the rules because we have a relationship with them. You see, why do we have, why have rules? Because the, we value the relationship we have. You say, you say, well, you know, I just don't think you know, all these rules in the church, it's not rules in the church, it's rules, these standards, these convictions from the Word of God. The principles is going to keep us safe and strong. When, when people talk to us like this, my wife and I will say to them, hey, do you want your kids to eat healthy? And they'll say, well, of course. Why do you have those kind of rules? Well, I love my child. Really? He loves us. Why am I never alone with the opposite sex? Because my wife is just mean? Yes. Uh, No, because it protects our relationship. God's not mean because he gave us commandments. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to teach us to have a cause higher than ourselves. Number two, because time and all my time, my goodness, rules are for our protection. You don't have to taste poison to know it'll kill you. Let somebody tell you not to taste it. But this is society we're in. It's just, you don't know. I, you don't have a right to tell me not to taste poison. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm getting to the point of, okay, stupid, then go ahead and eat. Rules teach us to be humble. Did you know that rules help us to be humble? My daughter taught me this one. She said, Dad, it's humbling in this society to dress like a lady. Humility is the opposite of pride. Humbling to dress different from the world, to talk different than the world, to have standards different than the world. It's humbling. It's humbling for a young person to go to a public school and say, I'm keeping myself pure. They're going to be mocked. They're going to be ridiculed. If you want to, I'm not giving you the verses, but Psalm 119, 78, I don't have time, and I'm not going to have time to just go to a few of these and rattle through them, but I use Psalm 119, uh, for each of these points, so you can go through the, the chapter. But they're, they're all here in Psalm 119, but this one is Psalm 119, 62. Rules teach character. We learn that we can do more than we think we can because having to obey rules teaches us patience, to strive for excellence, to push harder, to go longer, to sacrifice, to do what it takes to reach a goal. Do you know, having rules that you have practice every day, when you're, when you're playing ball in school, if they didn't have the rule, there's some guys that would go practice anyway, but there's some guys who would never practice. So the rule actually teaches you, helps you to develop character, helps you to learn the discipline of, of something that needs to get done. So initially the rule is set in place to help us do that. I mean, the church has some rules. The the community has rules. The, the police have rules. Now there's, there's rules in everything, and it's helped us 
to teach us character. Rules teach us faith. The Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. God gave us the law to show us our need for the Savior. Without the law, we could never have known the depth and power of his love when he died for our sins. God is not interested in us obeying a set of rules for rules' sake, but knowing the author of those rules and the purpose of having a cause, even as he did, higher than ourselves. Faith sees rules as a means to an end, not the end. Number six, rules give hope to the hopeless. Everyone who has ever been bound to addictive habits or ungodly addictive behavior desperately needs to know that there is something big, uh, better than the life they're living. Boundaries are evidence of life because boundaries protect them from the weakness of their own flesh. You know, in order to help somebody who's addicted, uh, my, my son-in-law runs a, a RU home uh, up in Indiana. So in order to help them, they bring them in and they give them rules. Why? Because they're mean? Because they, No, they're trying to protect them. They're trying to give them hope. They're walking in the door. And honestly, most of them walk in the door, they're hopeless. But the rules, the structure, the protections give them hope. Psalm 119, 133. So rules have been the salvation of my children's lives. We don't like rules, but God gave us rules for our benefit. It is his way of loving us and giving us a way to show others how much we love them. If you don't have any rules, you don't love because you don't care what happens to the people around you. God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. My challenge to all of us is to have the right perspective. I, the scripture says in Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. And you know what we find in the word of God? We find the, the word of God, the banks that will hold us in. We find the trees that are supported and grounded in the word of God that that stands so strong even amongst the craziness of the world. We are there in the word of God. The word of God is great spoil to us because it brings great protection to us. It gives great direction to us. It, it is what we need for our children's lives. And here's the one thing that they fight against. Uh, and, and our society has taught them this. It really has. In Christianity right now in our churches, and I probably said this already, but, I, but a, a very close friend of mine, he decided to turn away from everything in church that, about rules. And he has a teenage son and then an adolescent daughter, and, and um, he made a statement, had a picture of his son, and he and they were laughing and doing something, and he was saying, Basically, how good it is now that we did away with all these rules. And he said how happy his son was. Now, that was about three years ago. You know, I haven't seen any more pictures of his son posted. And I would hope and pray that everything's okay with them. But can I tell you, every immature kid loves being able to do whatever they want to. And if you let them, they'll stay up all night long. And if you let them, they'll sleep half the day or all day. But somewhere along the way, they're going to wake up and they're going to wake up and say, 
Who am I? What am I? And where am I going? Because they live without a purpose. They live without a structure. They live without rules. So when your children struggle with the rules, now, now we have to, rules need to be done in love. Rules need to have, make some kind of sense. They need to be a little bit of common sense along with scriptural sense. And we need to be very careful how we present them. But the simple truth is we've got to have rules. And they have to know that these rules are here because we love you. Because I told this to my girls so many times. I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm doing this so that you'll have a better life. And can I tell you now that they're in their late 20s and most of them, four of them, I guess, now are in their 30s. Every one of them multiple times had thanked mom and dad for the rules. The rules that protected them, the rules that guided them, the rules that at the time some of them they struggled with. But it protected them. And it gave them a life worth living. This is not a, uh, it's my, I really wanted to make sure that my time's up. It's not a, an invitation sort of thing. And we're here together in this, I think, as I'm looking around the room, most everybody, again, if you're not, anytime, whether you've been in church your whole life, if, if you're unsure of your salvation, you need to make sure that you need to come to us. But as families, one of the things that we have to, you, you know, I, we're all common. I mean, we're all normal. And that means that we're going to run through struggles at times with rules. Struggles, even the best of kids are going to struggle at times understanding, why do I have to do that? It's summertime. Why do I have to get up now? Okay? I understand that. But I'm just telling you, We've got to be able to, rather than just frustrate and say, just do what I say, that works while they're six and seven and eight years old, ten years old. But there's some, there is a point where eventually we've got to sit them down and say, let's see what God says about rules. Let's talk about this and think, why are we doing this? Why are we going to get up at this time in the morning, even in the summer when we don't have to go to school? And I'm really messing some of them somewhere up right now. But why are we having to get up anyway? Why are we doing this? And can I tell you, Mom and Dad, we need a little bit of an explanation. Well, I don't know. I just, because. Probably that's going to frustrate them a little bit. We need to be able to explain his character. It's will accomplish more. Did you know that you'll feel better, watch this, and I'm done, but you'll feel better every day of your life that you get up and accomplish something than if you sleep through the day. You'll just feel better. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel better. And can I tell you, look, I've driven through the night sometimes, so don't even bother me. I'm sleeping. I've, you know, I've done that, and I understand that. But I'm talking about when you can go to bed, Go to bed. When you get up, you get up, and let's accomplish something. 
You know what that is? That's a little bit of a structure. That's a little bit of a, a rule life. But it makes you feel so much better because you did. As again, I'm not, it's not a, an invitation type of message, but if you as a family want to take a moment and pray together, and maybe you might even have to look at your kids and say, well, get ready, kids, because I hadn't told you this yet, but we're going to have a schedule this summer. Amen? Yeah, Jordan, I'm saying this just for you, Jordan, right now, because I can see the nervous look on your face. It's like... Man, I hope my dad's going to sleep right now. God bless you. Father, I pray that you bless.